Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Andrew Stephen. Before we get to Andrew, here's a few announcements. First and foremost, our website, TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there and you can see photos of our guests. You can see some stories that they've written. You can see links to their social media. You can see links to our social media, which would include Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We're on Facebook at Travel Tales Podcast. There are links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts, and we're also on Spotify and basically wherever you get your podcasts. Find us there. Give us a listen. Give us a like. Please subscribe. And if you do subscribe or you listen on any of those formats, please give us a good rating. That helps more people find the show by boosting our presence. That's a cool thing to do. And if you did that, I'd appreciate it. You think you'd be right for the show? Maybe you know somebody who'd be right for the show? I'm in the market to meet new people and new guests. So if they're comfortable with the Zoom interview, and hopefully you have a good microphone, send me an email. Heck, you can send me an email if you have any questions, maybe travel-related questions. Maybe you just want to heat me with praise. You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, Andrew Steven is a guy who reached out or his quote-unquote people reached out. He's right here in Los Angeles. He's a big content creator. He has uh, produced a number of podcasts. Recently, he just made one about the history of stand-up comedy with my friend Wayne Fetterman. But he's got a new one out called Trail Weight. And that's weight as in W-E-I-G-H-T. And basically, it's a 10-part storytelling podcast documenting his one-month journey of hiking the John Muir Trail out here in California. Not only as a way to challenge himself, but also as a way to lose weight. And it worked. He lost like 100 pounds doing it. Now, I've heard of the John Muir Trail, and I haven't talked to too many people who have uh, hiked it. I always seem to confuse it with the Pacific Crest Trail, which is much longer. But Andrew's experience sounded pretty cool. And dare I say, maybe something I'd like to do one day. We have links to all of Andrew's sites on TravelTalesPodcast.com. But you can also find all the info you need at TrailWeight.co. And if you go there, you can see all the episodes... He has links to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, just like we do. Or you can find them on whatever listening service you use. Just type in Trail Weight. Again, that's W-E-I-G-H-T. And check out the series. Debuts this week. So how timely are we? So it was a pleasure meeting Andrew, and I enjoyed hearing his story. And I think you will too. Please enjoy my chat with Andrew Steven. Andrew Steven. Howdy. Welcome. Two first names you're going with. I yeah, thought I'm about a... that in my showbiz life that maybe, because <laughs> everybody misspells Siegel. Yeah. My this, entire I mean, career. This, I didn't choose these names. They were chosen for me. So That's your Steven's your last name. Yeah. Just the one Steven, not just, there's only one of me, unfortunately or fortunately, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. How many people add the extra S all the time? Most. Yeah. Most. Or yeah. PH. Mm-hmm. Um, Got it. But, uh, or they think Stephen is my first name. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, first, uh, talk about your podcast and um, 
why you started it. Yeah, we'll get to know you through that. Cool. Yeah. So I have a new podcast. It's actually, it comes out the day we're recording this. So um, it's been cool just seeing some of the feedback. But the podcast is called Trail Weight. And it's it's uh, it's a few years in the making, but it really it follows 10 episodes, follow the story of a year in my life when I decided I'm going to lose weight and hike the John Muir Trail, which is a 200 mile plus uh, hiking trail in the Sierra Nevadas in California. And sort of along the way, it turned out to be a completely different story than I thought. Um, but I did end up losing 100 pounds. I did do the hike. Um, so you can you can hear sort of my story. And then I talk with a bunch of other people, some really great people from authors to Olympians to athletes to comedians, just sort of about how their experience uh, sort of played into my experience. I don't know. That's well, kind of the tease, is it? I mean, and how much should I give? How much should I give away? Well, it's up to you. I mean, <laughs> so the podcast is uh, it's. Did you record it along the way or did you like backtrack? Yeah, so I started started recording it the end of 2019 and sort of the story ends in August of, sorry, I started recording in the end of 2018 and it ends in August of 2019. So you have spent the pandemic uh, locked in and editing? Yes, lots of editing, lots of raw tape. I mean, so I, I took, you know, recording gear, uh, you know, extra weight on the trail. So, yeah, you know, I was going to say. a bunch of uh, like audio diaries, but I recorded a bunch of stuff, sort of the process of trying to like get in shape and lose weight. And then I've done, like I said, a bunch of interviews too and sort of weaved it all together. So it's it's been a lot of hard work, but a lot of fun. And, and it's, I mean, if I can be earnest, it's something that I'm really proud of and that I'm really... Uh, it's sort of like the culmination of everything I love from working in Los Angeles and sort of like the creative industry to like getting outside and, and traveling and camping and hiking. And it's sort of a, a fun sort of merging of the two. Now, what kind of uh, equipment were you taking that didn't weigh you down too much? <laughs> the recording equipment yeah. specifically? Uh, I just have one of these uh, Zoom audio recorders and it's, I don't know, it's it's maybe a couple pounds. It's about... The size of like a, a box cheese grater. Um, I don't know why that was the first uh, thing that popped into my head, but uh, no, it really wasn't too bad. But you know, it's it's so tempting. Uh, you know, you you can go on YouTube or any of these travel influencers, uh, whether it's backpacking or not, just always trying to minimize and lighten your load, and it can be some. It can become so tempting, and so of course I decided to bring heavy recording gear. <laughs> so you said you lost a hundred pounds. Yeah. Doing this, uh, not to get, you know, to have a hundred pounds to lose is yeah. saying something. No, I, I, was, I was, no, please. I, it was, it was at this point too. So, I mean, I guess this can, this can maybe touch a point a little bit of the traveling stuff too. Is like, uh, I loved, I loved going camping and I loved hiking, but there were certain things that I found myself sort of putting off because my physical ability, I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not like some super buff ripped. I mean, you look at me now, you know, I still have. <laughs> I'm know, only seeing wa- from your shoulders up. Huh? That's all I <laughs> If I wanted to, I still had a uh, weight I could lose. But um, so it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, I gave myself this goal and started telling people and started deciding to make a podcast about it. And sort of the accountability of that sort of like tricked myself into actually succeeding at my goal. Well, in this day and age, uh, how come did you how come you chose a podcast instead of, say, a video like, you know, follow me along on my journey on Instagram or on YouTube? I mean, it's a boring answer, but it's because I make podcasts for for my (laughs) job. So 
Um, I don't know. I'm also like, so I used to be a musician and sort of that's when I fell in love with listening to podcasts and audiobooks. Um, just, you know, sitting in a, in a, in a car driving to the next gig, driving cross country in these little DIY, barely making any money, breaking even tours. Um, and so I just sort of fell in love with the medium of, of audio. And I mean, it's similar to music, obviously. And so I made a transition in my life a few, uh, you know, I don't know, seven years ago and started making podcasting. Cause it's really, I mean, it's the same technical know-how as music in a, in a way. And then it's creatively fulfilling cause it's, it's just another form of storytelling. And right. so I make podcasts. And so I was like, Oh, let's make a podcast about this. <laughs> I also, I'm, I'm a little bit of like an archivist or cataloger or where it's just like, I, I'm always seemingly, whether it's taking pictures or recording audio, just pulling out voice memos on my phone. It's because it's like I always I always have a little bit of like, oh, this could be something someday. Yeah. So, I mean, I forget that having been in, you know, showbiz for 30 years and performing yeah. that uh, I'm feeling it now. I Maybe it's a generational thing, but people say, oh, I, you know, I've, I've done media trips with influencers and stuff and, and how much they have to like you know, shoot selfies of themselves talking yeah. in the camera. And it's like, I've done that forever. And does some, and I forget that it's like, oh, it's nice to meet somebody. It's like, yeah, maybe I don't need to see my face on camera 24 <laughs> seven and have to upload video. And, and yeah. if, if you're in the audio realm, that's, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, there's only a handful, like just like selfishly, like there's only a handful of like, hiking podcasts that are and specifically like narrative podcasts like this is a 10 episode highly produced i mean it's an audio documentary in, in in a way and so it's just like they're also i didn't i like listening to that type of stuff and i didn't see a lot of it out there so selfishly i saw an opportunity as well <laughs> so just trail weight frank. yeah a trail weight is just 10 episodes and it's that's it you're done yeah, I mean, there's always the possibility of another season okay. and other stuff. I have ideas. It's like a Netflix series. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. If it's if it continues to sort of uh, find an audience and and you know it makes sense to do more, we'll do more. There, I'm sure there'll be bonus content too, just because, like I said, there's just so many hours of interviews yeah. and, and recordings. So. Well, let's let's get into uh, your personal story and why yeah. you why this. Why the John Muir Trail? Why now? And why do you have so much time to <laughs> take a hike? And you say you make podcasts. And what yes. does that mean? You have a podcast network? No. So uh, it's, it's, I work for podcast networks. Uh, okay. Sometimes I do freelance stuff. I mean, really, the sort of cliche, corny motto, whatever you want to call it, uh, is like, I like to make, I say, I like to make good things with good people. And so uh, a little bit stupidity and a little bit of luck, I've been able to sort of find some really cool projects to work on that have paid my bills. And uh, being in L.A., being, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, of comedy. I'm not a comedian myself. <laughs> I'm sort of comedy adjacent, I like to think. But um, you're just friends with comedians. Uh, so you meet some really cool, funny, amazing people. And it's just like, let's develop something. Let's try something out. Um, and then just, like I said, work finding other storytellers and, and interesting people. Been lucky enough to, to to make a living at this. And you you did a podcast with my pal Wayne Fetterman. I yeah, believe. we did a we did two seasons. 
secret whisper. There may be a third uh, oh, announcement a coming soon. Um, he wrote a book about the history of yeah, stand-up. The show's called, and yeah, so the book is based off of the podcast, which is based off of an article that Wayne wrote. And he's also, a, a you know, he teaches stand-up history at USC and he's a great stand-up himself. Oh yeah, very funny guy. Uh, and this show is similar to that show where it's like, you know, heavily produced, like lots of hours of research and digging for archival audio. And um, yeah, I just like finding interesting, fun people. Wayne and I met back in the, uh, he was a guest on another podcast I hosted for CISO. I don't know if you remember that, which was mm. a, a short-lived comedy streaming service from NBC. Okay. Oh, right, so. right, right. I remember. Um, so you have that one, you have a few on there, and then you decided to... Hike the John Muir Trail. Yes. So going back to that sort of archivist, you know, cataloger, um, a go-to vacation of mine, a travel dream of mine for whatever, whatever you want to call it, has been um, sort of trying to visit all the national parks in the U.S. And, you know, I, I kind of think there there are, when it comes to this type of traveler, there's the people who, like, choose one place and, like, try to see every inch of it. And then there are people who, like, try to do every single thing of that type. And so I'm definitely the latter of like, I have to check every <laughs> national park off the uh, list. You know, I've been, I don't, I think I'm like at 20 now. Um, I don't okay. know, I have to check, but, um, uh, they're, they're on the, Oh, I see the map, behind, map behind me with little pins in them. Um, yeah. I won't I just, bore you. <laughs> I just did, um, yeah, the, there were some of the ones that I had to knock off during um, COVID. Yeah. I did some road trips this year. I, I did yeah. uh, Zion, uh, Arches in Moab, and I yeah, did yeah. Uh, no, you know, the others. Southern Canyon ones in, in yeah, Utah. Did you do Bryce? And, Bryce Canyon yeah. and uh, what's what's the other big There's one? There's Capitol, Capitol Reef. Capitol Reef. Yeah. yeah and then I finally went up to Yellowstone and Glacier. Yeah, no, National so I Park. did that. That was... 2017 my girlfriend and i we drove we took another month off uh <laughs> and we drove we drove and camped all the way up to yellowstone and glacier and back down beautiful um tetons oh it's amazing i mean it's to me it's i think it's such a fun vacation and i think you find this from a lot of travelers who even like go down into south america or there's something that's just so like I mean, blatantly, it's it's affordable. Like camping yeah. is 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 one of the cheapest vacations you can do. But then you're also seeing some of these beautiful, spectacular places that all the, in my opinion, all the amenities of a nice hotel don't compare to the <laughs> the beauty of some of these natural places. Uh, how much of a hiker were you before this, and how long was the John Muir Trail? And were you going to do all of it? <laughs> Or were you just going to do it in pieces? Yeah. Or so I was definitely a hiker. I mean, everything from Griffith Park here in in L A to the to camping trips. But again, like physical ability sort of got in the way. And I think I'm one of those people too who sort of romanticizes like everything I need is in a backpack. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I used to tease my my parents because you know they have a big, huge trailer that they pull behind their suburban, even though it was just two of them. And <laughs> it's just like you don't need all this stuff. And and so uh so yeah, I would always go hiking, but it was just sort of limited to maybe five, ten miles max of hike. And and there are a lot of amazing things you can see in five or ten mile round trip hikes. But there's something special when you sort of get out in the backcountry and are a day or days away from like the nearest road or town. And so, uh, so again, so I sort of like, uh, I, uh, in, in the podcast, there's, we have the audio of this, but it's like I, one Saturday morning, 
you know, I turn on my little recorder and uh, Rocky, my girlfriend and I are sitting there and I was like, okay, so I have this thing to tell you. And I surprise her with it. Like, I'm going to do this in one year. And really the idea was to do it as a motivational force to help me sort of get in the physical condition I wanted to be in in order to do stuff like this. I mean, I want to do the Grand Canyon and I kept on putting that trip off because it's just like, why go to the Grand Canyon if I'm just going to stand above it and look down? I want to be mm-hmm. able to hike through it. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, 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 sometimes I feel like I need to like trick myself into that sort of stuff. <laughs> you know? So yeah, no, but I mean, having a goal, I mean, that's what gets you to do it. Totally. And also because you know, you have to think of your own safety out there yes. and just like, you know, if I'm going to do this, you you, you got to be up for it. And if you get hurt yourself or something out there, you could be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? No, it's something. And it's one of those things, too, where it's like it's uh, it's not just like like, well, I, this may be slightly contradictory, but it's like after doing the whole trail. Oh, yeah. You asked how long it was. It's 211, I think, officially. But. You have to hike in to get to the start of it or hike out yeah. of it, depending where, on where you enter. Where's the start and end? The So depending on which end you start, because you can go north or south. But it's one of the trailheads is in Yosemite Valley and the other is Mount Whitney. So Oh, OK. Um, so it's like right. Yeah, it's like right in the the pretty much the whole span of the Sierra Nevadas. Um, but uh, oh, this is what I'm going to say. It's like I really feel after doing it, like I really feel almost anyone could do it if they wanted to. And as much as the physical stuff is important and helpful, what I learned being out there is how much more of a mental sort of preparedness I wish I had done. Because you're you're it's one of those things where you're sort of forced again, tricking yourself into these things, like forced to be mindful and present and confront sort of feeling sorry. Can you hear that? Sounds like there's a delivery package coming. Oh, that's all right. But, Do you need um, to get it? No, no, I, someone else can grab it. But um, yeah, well, were you al- one, go ahead. I was just going to say like, because even I, you're asking if I was alone. Sorry, I can, I can ramble. Um, <laughs> my, so Rocky and I, my girlfriend and I did it together. And so, but even when you're hiking, you know, 10, 15 miles a day, there's a lot of stretches when you are alone or you're quiet, <laughs> you know, you run out of stuff worried. to talk about at some and point. And you're breathing and you're working and it's like you're you're making millions of calculations in sort of every second of how do I step ankle weird, you know, stone path. Am I headed in the right direction? Um, but, yeah, it's it's it forces you to sort of think about a lot of things and and for better or for worse that can bring up some some deeper stuff well i mean you're a podcast guy did you uh strap on the earbuds and uh listen yes. to podcasts a lot yeah did that a lot too did music too uh but even even so so you know uh right a year into or sorry not a year a month into my declaration of like i'm gonna get in shape and do this my mom actually passed away oh um, sorry Thanks. And it was one of those things where it's definitely sad and and still processing and grieving that. But it also turned into like a weird motivation of like, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Stop putting things off the hashtag YOLO, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, whatever. But uh, so that was weighed heavy on me a lot of the time. And, And there was parts of it that I expected to, but also there was like weirdly like unexpected healing and you know you hear stories now of people like with ptsd who go out on these long distance hikes and anecdotally this stuff about or not anecdotally uh but actually scientifically about how like 
going even for like 15 minutes a day in a, in a forested environment can like change, you know, it makes oh, yeah. you feel more compassionate, more creative, more effective. I just talked about this with a friend of mine back in Chicago uh, who moved finally, he bought a place out in like the hills above um, in North Carolina, like the Smoky uh -huh. Mountains up there. And he was just saying after, he was just like a very type A, high strung yeah. guy and just how much, you know, calmer he sleeps, how quiet it is. And, and I've been telling him to do that for 30 years. <laughs> but now we finally realized, you know, he would always ask me why I go on these long walks. Yeah. Like I, tell, I walk almost every day. Yeah. But uh, I just need it, how it just kind of resets it's, it's, me. And I get a lot more thinking done as well. Yeah. It's like, it is like such a great place to reflect. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like a waking sleep almost to where it's like, or a marinade or whatever, where yeah. it's like sort of doing the work for you without you having to do the work yourself. Right. Well, is John Murtrail, is that the one that uh, they wrote about in Wild? Is that the... So it's part of it. So the Pacific Crest Trail goes from... That's the one I was thinking. That goes from uh, Mexico Oregon to Canada. And stuff? Okay, yeah. yeah. And so it shares the trail through the Sierras. They they are the same. You know, they sort of coalesce. Okay. Um, but that's, you know, that's a five-month hike where this is a 26-day long hike. I mean, I think someone did the JMT in like three days. Um, Whoa. Yeah. I mean, they're going like 60 plus miles a day. They're sleeping for three hours. Okay. That's a freak. Nah, that's a weirdo. <laughs> I'm sure he really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so how long did it take you again? It took us like I, 26 or 28 days. I, I should know. Um, actually, I think I can pull up my itinerary right here. I was just going through to, to figure out uh, 24 days. There you go. So you were averaging about eight to 10 miles a day. <sighs> yeah, I think, well, it's cause we started, we started, uh, a few more miles out from the beginning. So like that's the, the 211 miles goes from Whit the peak of Whitney to the trailhead oh. in Yosemite. So you have to get to the trailhead and I think it's like 15 miles in most, most of the routes down from Whitney to the nearest parking lot. So, um, I forget our total mileage, but yeah, it was about 10, 15 miles a day. What did you go the southbound route or did we went north? And okay. mostly that was just because of, you know, this as as few people do these long distance hikes, the JMT is one of the most popular. And so there is a little bit of a, a, a lottery and permit situation in an attempt to sort of prevent overuse of, of the backcountry. And so uh the, it was it turned out it turned out easier to get a permit going northbound than than southbound so we started you know just below Mount Whitney okay now I wanted to ask you about that about the permits uh, how much are those and uh, what's the what's the waiting situation for that and also um, what's along the way I mean and what time of year did you do this yeah so uh, the permit situation it's interesting I think the year so when we applied, they had just switched over to a new digital system. And it's one of those things where it's like, you never feel like, did I actually submit it? <laughs> You're never quite sure until three months later, you get the rejection notification. Right. Um, but uh, so, yeah. So if you so if you start in Yosemite, you go through the Yosemite conservation association or i forget i forget the, the exact name of them but if you do northbound it's just through reserve america which is like how most of the federal land 
like campsite registrations and stuff is through. And, and that one was pretty straightforward. I forget. It's, it's only like 20, 35 bucks uh, per person for that permit. Um, and there's a lot more flexibility with when you start and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, along the way you go through, I mean, you're, so you're the majority of the hike is above 10,000 feet of elevation. So you're sort of okay. straddling. That'll slow you down. Yeah. You're sort of straddling tree line too. So you have these really lush, amazing forces. And then you get up to this weird sort of like, I almost call it Tim Burton-esque, uh, you know, <laughs> sort of granite monoliths that are just, it's, it's, it's like, it's still beautiful, but it's not like. If someone said, like, describe a beautiful mountain, I, I'm pretty sure most people wouldn't picture this in their in their head because there is a bit of, like, barrenness or, like, it feels almost like a lunar landscape. Yeah. When you get past the tree line, I mean, there's not much yeah. up there. I mean, I did they, Kilimanjaro, so that was, you know, I was up at 19,000 feet. Yeah, and that, yeah. Uh, that'll get you. That'll no. get you. But there's, yeah, like you said, a moonscape. I mean, we watched, you go from uh, jungle, like rainforest, up until regular forest, up until like small trees to br- you know small brush and bushes and then it's nothing then yeah, no yeah. there's then, this one yeah. this one place called uh uh bighorn plateau and it was very weird because like the majority of plateaus i've seen or been on have been like sort of what you picture in like utah or arizona like where you were like monument valley you know sort of these yeah um but this was a plateau up at elevation and so it's just weird to be up that high and then have this huge expanse of flatness and it felt very strange like <laughs> i it's i i'm still struggling with words I, i've talked about it a little bit on the podcast and it's just like every time i try to describe it it's like it's wrong um right so what uh so what time of year and what was your weather like yeah, we did it in August, which is sort of Ooh, the most hot. common time. Well, no, because we're so well, you're high. Up high up. Yeah, yeah. So sunburn you get a, though. Yes, sunburn there, but you know there was still <laughs> snow. And and 2019 when we did it was a was a pretty uh, big snow year too. And oh, so, I remember. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that can make it challenging at times because um, I don't know if anyone in this podcast before has talked about uh, post holing, but it's a thing where depending on so snow freezes at night and becomes very slippery and then throughout the day it starts to warm up and melt and become can become very slushy and soft and so you're always trying to time walking across snow at the perfect time where it's not too slippery but also not too soft and 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 some people carry like crampons or micro bikes so they have a little bit more freedom on the on the slipperiness but so the, we of course ha, you know it's it's almost unavoidable hit some of it when it's in the slushy time and what's what's hard about that is like you can be taking a step walking you think fine and you postal which is where you might take a step and your foot and leg falls all the way down through the snow, like up to your groin or both feet. And one that can just be painful of like twisting and contorting your body. But then there's also always the risk of there might be something underneath the snow, like a sharp rock or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and that was, that was probably the most challenging part of it. Cause you know, you're on some of these places where a slip could mean sliding down, you know, a snow covered hill. So there's nothing to like slow you down. Um, or twisting your ankle or breaking yeah. a foot or something. And now you're stuck up there with a yeah. broken foot. I mean, that would be awful. Yeah. So what kind of emergency equipment did you bring? So we 
didn't have much. Um, I've since I've since purchased a little GPS SOS Garmin thing, um, but also again, it was sort of a judgment call. I don't think it was a wise one, and I would recommend people not to f- follow my example. But it is like it is the I think the most or one of the most common long distance through hikes. So even though you're in solitude and you can go long stretches without seeing people, it would like we saw other hikers every day. Yeah. And especially cause you know, they're, they're sort of, it's good semi- and bad. Yeah. Yes. They're, and they're sort of semi developed camping areas. So, um, you know, they tend to congregate. So maybe every other person had an emergency GPS, but, um, yeah, no, I definitely recommend that. We actually had, sort of a, a, a harrowing experience after this one especially difficult stretch where snow covered the trail and it was steep and sort of people were sort of finding their own routes because of being off trail. There was a, a hiker maybe 100, 200 yards in front of us who, uh, you know, was were trying to get back to the trail now that they had located it. And all of a sudden we hear someone yelling, hiker down, hiker down. And... um you know, not really sure what was going on, if it was them, but, um, they ended up because of that weird angle, they had, they, they found a silhouette of a, of a body. And to this day, I'm still not fully sure, you know, there's it's privacy. So like it's, there's not like a public report about it. I've tried Googling the, 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 the hikers who found this, this person, you know, said they thought they, you know, they tried to get as close as they could and they thought it, they heard moaning, but then, talking to another ranger later in the trip they said based on how the helicopters sort of came in they came in and and then waited and then came back the next day and so they were speculating that that meant it it wasn't a search and rescue it was a sort of recovery type situation and yeah but because but someone neither of the two those that hiker and 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 us didn't have the the sos but another hiker did who heard the yelling and called in search and rescue. But um, no, it's, it's a great reminder. That's just like this, this is dangerous. And if you're not prepared and there's a certain amount of like easiness and just the fact that you're walking, it's like a lot of things that we do sort of, but then it's a reminder that it's just like, this isn't a sidewalk and this isn't just to the corner to get a cup of coffee. Right. So, I mean, you, you get, you took you a month, but I mean, I, I imagine you brought a lot of batteries and rechargeable batteries and solar batteries and that kind of stuff. But did you go through any kind of towns? I don't know. Does the trail go through along roads yeah. or something? So I think a lot of people might be familiar with like the Appalachian Trail on the East Coast. And like the, the sort of joke that people make about that is you could do the whole thing and never have to and just eat at a restaurant every day and sleep in a yeah. you know motel every night um cuz it passes through so many towns right um even on the the Pacific Crest Trail which you know shares this stretch this section just because of the the altitude of the Sierras and the remoteness and the the fact that it's on the west coast so just how like with protected land and public lands how it was it's more common on the west coast um this is one of the more remote sections and and um so there are a couple areas where you there's like backcountry um, ranches where you can like mail resupply gear to. Um, there's also like different passes where you can hike out, but it's sort of, you know, it's it's not in that 211 miles. So we did that. We did about um, 
we had so we had three resupplies on the trail. One where we hiked out into Independence and Lone Pine in California. If you've been on the Eastern Sierras, mm-hmm. and then hiked back in the next day. Then there we mailed it to a backcountry ranch, and then the last one was Red's Meadow, just outside of Mammoth, where like Devil's Post Pile is. So like people who go to Mammoth can take a bus to Red's Meadow. Um, so that was a lot of fun because we got a cabin. And got showers. Showers. Oh, got, isn't that a magical feeling, the shower? Milkshakes and <laughs> all the stuff you'd normally never eat, but you know, you've been burning six thousand calories a day or more on the on the trail. So you're like, just feed me. Well, how was the uh the cooking conditions and uh, I'm assuming the bathroom conditions were leave yeah. no trace kind of yeah. thing? Learning learning pack in, how pack to, out. Yeah. Uh, learning how to dig a, a cat a hole. hole, yeah, and then uh, you know, taking your your toilet paper with you. Um, it's a good relationship. The, yes, you in the and Mount, uh, you and Rocky. Yeah, in the Mount Whitney zone, you actually have to take everything out, so they give you a bag that you have to poop in. Um, that's uh, an eloquent way of saying that. no. Um, but uh, yeah, after I mean, it's amazing. Like after three days, you're like, this is the new normal. This is. <laughs> I'm, you know, you, you give up on that. You, you don't stink anymore. I mean, if someone else came upon you, they'd think you stink, but you get used to it. Uh, Was it a lot of freeze dried food or? Yeah, we did a lot of, we did, I know every other night or every third night we had like one of those more expensive pre-made freeze dried stuff and then lots of ramen. There's a thing on the trail called a ramen bomb that is, um, there's different variations of it, but it's the, the, I guess the most calorically dense version of it is a packet of ramen, a packet of instant mashed potatoes, and then a packet of tuna or like a single serving packet of spam and mix it all together. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's honestly not that bad. No. Like, <laughs> and if you're hungry, you know, you get all your salt, you get all your yeah. carbs and everything else and little protein in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you can only then, boil one big pot of water. So yes, there you go. Exactly. And then uh, throughout the day, lots of bars. Uh, that's just the most convenient thing to to. Oh, power to bars eat. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then the closest thing to like fresh food is, you know, you can pack out tortillas because they're not they don't take up too much space. <laughs> yeah. And like um, pepperoni or like sauce. Nutella. Yeah. Not yeah, Nutella, but I'm just thinking like fresh <laughs> foods. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. the most, the most quote unquote fresh we had was tortillas and like some sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, salted cured meat. Uh, <laughs> you know. Jer- uh, jerky. Yeah. Or jerky or, or you know, like, cause even like a salami, you know, can last, you know, oh, a, sure. you know yeah. a week or so. And I mean, that's why they invented it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of other interesting food stuff. I mean, and then this is also fun. So at a lot of these, uh, sort of resupply places, there's like, you know, people quit hiking these long hikes. And so there's often lots of extra stuff that got sent there that is now up for grabs. So it's kind of reminiscent of like the schoolyard where you're like trading food and and stuff, (laughs) you know? Well, Um, I'll, I'll go ahead. I was just going to say like hot chocolate. That was something that I didn't think I would crave, but there was oh, tons, sure. of, tons of tons of it extra at the, uh, the, uh, the sort of resupply places. And you just grab a few envelopes of that. And it was a nice way to end. Yeah. It. Did you do the instant coffee route or oh, are yeah. you a coffee person? Okay. I am a coffee person, but 
it's uh it wasn't worth carrying out i mean i have like <laughs> for my car camping stuff like i have the hand mill burr grinder and you know carry, oh wow i yeah. carry whole beans when i go camping and i have a pour over that fits on my okay you know, you're, you're much more high class than me <laughs> but they do because we they make like a little french press thing for the stove like it fits perfectly in the you know titanium or whatever stove uh-huh. we have but it's just not worth it. I mean, <laughs> you just want to get up and start moving, you know, and, and it's hard enough when you're waking up after. I mean, that's a th- we would sleep for like I don't know, 11 hours and not wake up the whole time cuz you're just exhausted and yeah. so <laughs> any any excuse to keep you sitting is can be bad at times. So you just want to uh-huh. get up and get moving in the morning. Was there a night in particular that you were just willing to give up and just go, you know what? I think we're done here. I don't, I don't think I had that. <laughs> but she might've. Well, it's, it's, it was one of the things. I mean, it's, it's a definitely a learning experience to do this with a partner. I mean, it's sure. beautiful in a lot of ways. Cause you're literally relying on each other. Like, like we split up, you know, the, uh, the tent, like she carried half of it. I carried half of it for a weight. You know, I had her stove. She had the water filter, you know? So it's like very much relying on, on, on each other. And I think, um, you know, one of the things I learned about myself and about Rocky is that just like the way we process hardships is a lot different. I'm much more internalize everything and still try to put on like the, it's going to be okay. It's yeah. going to be fine. I try to talk myself, you know, convince myself things are going to be okay. And, and she's very much like, I hate this. This is hard. Uh, <laughs> I want to leave. And I, so I instantly was like, okay, looking at the map, here's how we can exit. And she's like, I don't really want to leave. Like, it's a lot of fun. It's hard. <laughs> it's difficult, but it's just like, I'm just venting. So I don't actually like hold that in. in the right. Yeah. No, we just, we'll, we'll just keep pressing it down and, Denying yeah. it. Yeah, I sure. think it was short enough too, where it was like we knew there was an end date that we could see. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was longer actually when I when you said it was only twenty six days, I mean only. I mean still that's a that's a month, but yeah. I thought I guess I was comparing it to the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah, where it's yeah. five months. Like cause I think that like I think the PCT, I forget the total number that attempted every year, but like most people quit in like the first week. Yeah, because Appalachian also, as well. Yeah, and and when with the PCT, like you're you're hiking through the desert in the first you know month or however long, it's just like that's that's tough. Like, oh uh, yeah, and um, California in August. I mean, you're probably not. Did you hit any rain? Uh, any kind of precipitation? So we were at very all? lucky. We had we had hail and lightning one night, um, and lightning can be scary when you're up that high because if you're above the tree line, you're the tallest thing. You're lightning's target. Yeah. And you're carrying two metal poles with you to help you hike. <laughs> your tent's made of metal. So it's like, it's a very real, like that's probably the most uh, terrifying thing that can happen is being stuck in a lightning storm when you're out there. But no, we were very lucky. We had, like that was our only weather and it only lasted a, like a couple hours. Um, you know, you, you, in other years or if we had started a week earlier or a week later, you know, it could have been a completely different story. Did but you see any animals? Fortunate. A- any animals? Didn't, yeah, didn't see any bears, which is Whew. nice. That's the big but one. Also, yeah, which is, but it's also like, it's one of those weird things where it's like, it's cool to see one, but you're also, it's also terrifying. Yeah. Um, but they were around, like we saw evidence of them or like people we'd, you know, sort of leapfrog hiking, you know, they had seen one an hour before or after. I mean, lots of, 
you know, squirrels and chipmunks. Saw some <laughs> pikas, which is cool. Do you know what a pika is? No. It's like it's like a cross between like a mouse and a chipmunk and a squirrel. It's like they're really super oh, small. Oh, yeah, 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 really yeah. Really high yeah. elevations. Really sort of cute, uh, if I can say that. I see them in Alaska. Is good. Yeah, so they're, they're, that was was unexpected. Lots of marmots, um, mm-hmm. which they're always trying to steal your food and you know they're they're not very afraid of humans for better or for worse Um, yeah raccoons are they getting your stuff no i don't i don't know where the elevations drop off is with raccoons coyotes no Hmm. um i'm just trying to think i mean some deer some lots of birds oh fish it was crazy being in these alpine crystal clear blue lakes and just seeing you know, like it felt like I could just reach my hand down and grab one. Um, Do you swim at all? Did you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's cold too, and and oh, yeah. it always it always sounds nice. Like at the end of the day, you you set up your campsite and you're like, I'm gonna go refresh. It's gonna be like an ice pack on my sore body. It's gonna feel like a shower. But by the time you get your tent set up and you start cooking food, it's just like I don't. I want to take the least amount of steps as possible. Yeah. And if it's it's chilly, you want to stay dry. Yeah, but it is one. Of, I mean, you also dry off pretty quickly though, because of the elevation. It messes and the mm-hmm. closeness to the, the the elements and stuff. But um, no, I do. That's I think if I had a regret, weirdly enough, it would be I wish I swam more, or just you know <laughs> sort of dunked in the water more because it is. It's such a. I don't know again if it's I'm romanticizing it, but it is such a special experience. Those alpine lakes and just the the crisp coldness can be you know shock you awake and. And then there's the whole like, I mean, that's what they tell people if they're like having a panic attack or struggling with anxiety is like hop in a cold shower because it really does like it, it focuses your breathing and like it makes you feel in control of something because it's like you your body literally is trying to save yourself. So it like takes you out of all the wondering and what if and brings you present. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I wish I did more swimming. Did uh, well, let's talk about water to drink. I mean, mm-hmm. how much you burn through it pretty quick. So, did yeah. you try to ration it, or in, how, how did you get in it? In the Sierras, there's tons of water, um, and then especially when we went because of the, the the heavy snow year. So, there's lots of streams and lakes, and you know the filtering technology has is so much easier than it used to be. Where people have these big sort of clunky things like the one we had literally just like screws on top of a water bottle and you could fill the, if you wanted to, you could fill the water bottle up with dirty water and drink clean water through it. Um, Oh, great. Yeah. What brand they, you recommend? Uh, Sawyer. Sawyer <laughs> okay. squeeze. I mean, it's, there's, that's pretty much the, like, if you look online, like that's one of the, the, the most common ones. I mean, there's even ones, there's like UV ones. It's like a UV one that you just swirl around in your water for like 30 seconds and it cleans it. Um, that doesn't always mean the water is going to taste good. Um, but it's gonna, <laughs> it's not going to make you sick. And then that's the other thing too. Like the worst, the worst the sickness that we could have got would have taken about twenty days, three weeks to show up in our system anyway. So it's like there's there's people who don't even filter water in the Sierras and are fine, you know. Um, and it's but it's so easy now to do it. It's just like it's not that much harder. And it's that's a good great. force. It's a good little forced break. Well, if you if you're waiting for like your water to filter through, yeah, no, that's that. I didn't think about that, but yeah, that's really easy. So, uh, is there any other recommendations you would give people if they want to try it themselves? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest lesson I learned in this whole process of from from like you know trying to lose weight to doing the hike is like. 
I guess it's two things. It's one I mentioned earlier, sort of anything is possible if you just set your expectations correctly. So like if like someone could go out and do this trail only walking five miles a day or someone could do it, like we said, doing over 60 miles a day. So it's like finding the pace that's right for you and listening to your body and just knowing when you need to stop and when you can go. And so that was super encouraging because I'm, like I said, like I'm not at any, like if you looked at me, no one would think I'm an athlete, but it was <laughs> something that I was able to do that I'm really proud of. And I think a lot of people have are capable of much more than they think. But then the second thing that was really helpful for me was again, I don't know if this is I'm because I'm a cataloger, um, was just like finding something I could keep track of where I could see progress being made. So for some people, that's weighing yourself every day. For some people, that's can lead to some unhealthy habits. So I wouldn't recommend that. Um, or it could be just marking your way on the map. of Exactly. Or it's like, how many miles did I walk this week? You know, we all have our watches that now track our steps, you know, like, like when you actually take the time to like, find whatever metric works for you and can see progress, even that small progress, you know, even if it's 10 more steps a day than the day before, like that, that's so motivating. It was so motivating for me to just sort of like look back on a year's worth of data and to be able to like see the, the bar graph or whatever line graph going up. And it was that motivated me to want to continue and to work harder and, and try to do more. How was mobile phone reception? None. None. The whole way. I mean, there's little pockets here and there, you know, and I, we had a, you know, because your phone still gets a GPS, even if it doesn't have cell signal. And so we had a, a, a map downloaded and like people can leave markers and data comments and where there are water and stuff like that. No, like reliable water. And you'd always see like someone's like, oh, five miles from here, there's, you know, AT&T as a signal or whatever. But, um, <laughs> again, tricking yourself, forcing yourself into these situations. That was that's definitely one of the things I love about camping is like you often don't have cell reception. So it's like yeah, you're you forcing your own hand. But it's like I don't have to be on my phone when I'm in the city. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, but so it's nice sometimes that to have that decision be made for you. No, I, I, you know, I've been on a lot of, uh, worked a lot of cruise ships and people, yeah. you know, that's, that's a big deal. You don't realize how much time you waste on online, just doing nothing or out of boredom or just looking at it. Yeah. But when it's not there, it's just like, Oh yeah, maybe I could, I can do other things. <laughs> yeah. And okay. I think too, it's like, I'm not even like, anti-online or anti-technology, which I think sometimes these conversations can feel like, because mm. I think it's it's enabled some remarkable, incredible, wonderful things. But it's also like like a lot of things, you know, like the, like the tracking of your weight or your steps or whatever. For some people, it can be something that can be obsessed about and be unhealthy. And for others like me, it, it, I found it to be, you know, motivational and helpful. But yeah. Have, have you kept the weight off? Yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of us, the what's the hack joke? We've gained our COVID nineteen pounds. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it def. I mean, so I was. I started at like almost four hundred pounds, and like, like I look like a different person. I think you know uh, where I am today, and definitely where I was at the end of the trail. Um, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's. I would still love to get in more shape. I'm. I have some ambitious ideas of maybe doing like a, a triathlon or something like that. You know, maybe that's my next podcast. Um, <laughs> Wait, well, you started. You started hiking it at four hundred pounds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but I've been big wow. most of my life. I'm six four something. You know, so it's like it's. 
I, I wear it well. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but like before and after pictures, it's not like it's, it's not obvious. It's definitely noticeable. So, and I was hiking before that too, you know, would go out to, I would just walk slower. Um, and I mean, that was, a, that was another part of this whole thing that we haven't really touched on is just like the weird, like sort of shame that can come with like trying to f- be who you think you're supposed to be or look like who you're supposed to be like and something going on a hike with friends. And it's just like, I feel like I'm slowing everybody down, but none of them care, you know, but it's, it's just this internal narrative that I think I'm stuck on. And so there was a lot of uh, motivating forces, some healthier than others. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I like, I, I like where I am. Um, I'm hopeful for continued health, but at the same point, if I'm here for the rest of my life, I'm okay with that too. Well, what did you learn as a guy who goes to all the national parks and you saw, you know, like this part of the John Muir Trail and a lot of America's nature, which I think is its best asset that we have, you know, our greatest asset, really. Um, It was interesting to see because I hadn't been to these, even these parks I went to last year, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're fighting the park service in the last four years, especially has been <laughs> kind of fighting for its life and its funding. Yeah. What are you seeing around from not only from this trip, but all your trips of where the country's going with protecting it? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, one of the episodes uh, later on in the series, we sort of look at this idea of like, are we loving nature to death? And because um, when I hear stories about it being crowded, and you're like, ah, because you know, yeah, it's it's, it's Yellowstone is packed, man, packed. Yeah, totally, you gotta... and it's it's like exciting because it's like I want people to experience this, but it's also, I mean, I don't have the right answer because it's it's definitely not limit people to to experiencing this because i want as many people who can experience this as possible but i'm also aware that we have an effect on nature and then i think too like you know there's if you look at sort of what our even understanding of nature and wilderness is is often flawed because before these places were national parks, many of them were and still are inhabited by Native American tribes who tended the land and and had their own, uh, you know, approach to, to land management and usage. And, you know, it's really interesting. There's a lot of movement towards people saying, let's, you know, let's let's give some of this land back to the people who, you know, were here and still are here and, uh, you know, potentially, arguably had had better management of it. Um, so I don't know what, like, an institutional policy should be, but I do know my part is I can change how I use the outdoors. I can try to you know, I think a great thing is like Griffith Park. You know, I, I love hiking in Griffith Park. But just last weekend, I went out to a trail, a section of a hike there that I'd never been on before to a part of the park that I'd never seen before. You know, and I've lived in L.A. for five years. And it's just like, how many times have I been here? And there's hardly anyone in this corner. And it's just like, so I think there's a lot of opportunity for things like that. We don't always have to go to Yosemite and Yellowstone and 
there are places that are just as beautiful as that that aren't as crowded. And there are places close by that are just as beautiful and refreshing and special. Well, I'm going to get your expert opinion now. Give us a, a quick short list of underrated parks that you think people should go to and don't get enough love. Yeah, I think if you're wanting the sort of uh, Yosemite experience, I think Kings Canyon National Park is is I think more beautiful. Like the the valley in Kings Canyon is more beautiful than Yosemite Valley, and like it doesn't have Half Dome and and Half Dome and El Capitan, and it's much less developed as far as like you know uh, hotels and things like that. But I think that's a great one here in in, in California. Um, just off the top of my head. You know, I really loved Pinnacles in California too. It's uh, it's one of the more recent national parks, and I didn't know what to expect going there, but I was blown away. It has some amazing trails. It's a smaller park, so you could you could spend a week in there and have a blast. Um, it's uh, a lot of great trails. I think they do rock climbing there too. So if you're into it, it's a really fun place. And and um, yeah, I think just just sort of look at the list and go what's what's nearby. Plus, then we have all the state parks and the national forests, which surround a lot of these national parks. And there's just as incredible places throughout it all. What's on your bucket list to see? As I mentioned Grand Canyon. I really want yeah, to right. do that. Um, outside of the U.S., you know, uh, I've been thinking about doing the the. Uh, What's it the the Camino de Santiago? Oh, Camino. oh right, yeah, in uh, uh, Spain. Across, yeah, walking across Spain. I have a couple um, friends who did that. Yeah, it's it's really it's cool. I mean, they made the 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 the, the, the what's his name? Um, they made a movie about it, Emilio Estevez and his dad, whose name I'm blanking on, Martin Sheen. Yes, they made a movie about it. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. How about the Inca Trail? Would you do the Inca Trail? I would love in Peru? to do that. Yeah. I mean, I cheated and took the train in Peru <laughs> up to Machu um, Picchu. I read. I I forget what book I read, but they talked about a lot of the the guides and the 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 the, the people who carry your packs for you. They always say Americans uh, are the only tourists who want to carry their packs with them the entire time. <laughs> like, everyone else is happy to to get. Yeah. Rid of those. A- no, I'd love. I mean. You know, if this podcast turned into a thing that could somehow sustain me full time and I could get made to travel and hike and explore, <laughs> like, obviously, I would love to do that. But I'm also very happy with the way things are now. No, so, yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to do that. I mean, one day, who knows, I'd love to do the PCT. It's just hard to justify taking half a year off in order to, yeah. to do that. Maybe get a sponsor. That's what you need. A yeah, sponsor. Yeah. Are you, is, are you, is your podcast looking to sponsor anybody? You know what? Yeah, it, my podcast doesn't sponsor me. Fair, fair. <laughs> I know, I know that. Well, how did how do you think all this um, this experience and how did it change you as a person? And aside from the physically, yeah. But how did it change? Did it change the way you look at the world or yourself? Or yeah, I think. You know, in the podcast, it's it's kind of a, a cute phrase that we came on, and it's it's oversimplified. But I say, I thought this podcast was going to be about weight loss, but it turned out to be about loss of a completely different kind. And I do think there was a, you know, maybe it's my storyteller mind that's wanting to put a bow on everything. But there was this sort of like the loss of my mom, sort of the loss of ignorance or innocence, how you want to say it's <laughs> sort of like reframing my understanding. So I had a lot of these transformative experience. And I think walking away, the biggest thing is just like loss and death 
and transformation, for lack of a better word, are a part of life. Like literally when you're that's that's super present when you're outdoors, like there are there are plants that can only grow after a forest fire. And there are, you know, uh, new trees that take nutrients from rotting decay trees. And there are plants that only happen when it when there's snow on the ground. And that snow will also do damage to other stuff. And so it's just like this constant process of death and life, death and life. And that doesn't, that isn't to say like, I'm so happy all the time when something difficult or sad happens, but to recognize like, this is difficult. This is painful. This is sad, frustrating, whatever the version may be, but it's also part of the seasons of life. And there will be, this will be followed by a season of happiness, followed by another season Mm -hmm. of sadness by another, and that's going to be part. And so sort of being, being okay with feeling all the feelings. (laughs) Right. That's great. Um, Tell the people where they can uh, see your uh, show. Well, I mean, it's on wherever where you get your podcasts. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's it's uh. So we, but they can see some stuff. We do have some pictures and transcripts of each episode on trailweight.co, the website, um, and then on social media, Twitter and Instagram at trailweight, and then trailweight on all the different podcast places. Okay, we'll have links to all this stuff. And so there's a trail weight on Instagram. Do you have photos from the hike? Yep. Yep. Photos from the hike. We have, you know, some behind the scenes stuff, some, uh, you know, little quotes from the different guests we have on the show. So hopefully, hopefully it'll be a fun, fun sort of extension of the, of the audio. Give me one. Who would you say the most, uh, eclectic character you met on the trail? Who would that be? Uh, we met a guy who, uh, walked up to us who had been he said he was on the trail for about 11 days or just he wasn't on the the jmt but just sort of like some other trails in the network of trails and he asked us to take a picture of him so his wife wouldn't think he was just at the bar which (laughs) are apparently you can be at a bar for 11 days (laughs) Um, if if you work hard enough you can sure and then after we took the picture he thanked us and said okay now i'm gonna go to the bar which (laughs) i'm trying to think like the nearest parking lot was like maybe a day's hike away so i guess he could drive straight from there to a bar so i don't know how how much of this was was him being out in the wilderness for <laughs> 10, 11 days yeah. or, or what. But His wife knows him pretty well. That's what it sounds yeah, like to me. He might not me. even have a wife. <laughs> this could all just, maybe it was all a figment of our imagination. Maybe it was just us being out there and, and not being around people. Do we, did you at least take a knife you know, or some kind uh, of protection? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but it's just a little, you know, the classic smallest yeah, Swiss life, army Swiss knife. Swiss army knife, yeah. So. <laughs> so it's not like you were out there uh, arms strapped to the teeth. No, and most people aren't. I think, I think you know, you do hear stories and there's a there can be a very real sort of scariness of certain people. But the majority of people out there are people like you who want to experience this as well, too. No, well, it's a, that's a great experience. So I can't wait to the, check it out. Thank you so much. And thanks so for it's out next week. So um, Trail Weight, you can find it on all the uh, all the podcast places. And listen, I want to listen to the one about comedy too. Yeah, it's uh, you know we so we have like Brooks Whelan on. Oh uh, yeah, great. You know he loves camping. You know the in the first episode, there's an interview that I did with 
Dan Harmon, sort of about how writing a story can be used to write your own life story. Um, but then we also talk with like Olympian Alexei Pappas, who's, you know, a long distance record holder. And, uh, you know, so some pretty some pretty different guests, but I think it all it all makes sense in my mind, at least. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Andrew. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Hang on. And then uh, I'm going to end the recording. But I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thank you. Andrew Steven, everyone.